boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. How, 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 how. How, 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 how. What up, world? RJ Ochoa here, and we are hanging out in another week, another episode of the RJO Show. It is a beautiful time to be a football fan, a National Football League fan, because the NFL's back. That's right. We're on week two of the preseason, and it is amazing. I'm so excited. There's so, so, so much to talk about. There's actually breaking news as I'm jumping into the podcast booth right now. Marcel Darius, the uh, the defensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills, is facing a four-game suspension, which is tough cookies and no bueno for the Buffalo Bills because they are just getting completely ravaged in terms of injuries and now suspensions. We talked about this last week on the RJO show and I mean man Rex Ryan is is you know he's facing an uphill battle and offensively last week the the Buffalo Bills signed Tyrod Taylor to a contract extension which is good for them but it ain't going to help much if they can't do much on defense and you think about this there was a lot of murmuring a lot of talks and a lot of whispers about how Mario Williams left the team and how he was disliked by everyone in the locker room which sort of indicated that maybe he was the the cancerous element to this locker room that maybe without him the Bills would prosper more they'd be a tight-knit group but you know, and injuries aren't really a result of, of not being tight-knit, don't get me wrong, but Marcel Darius getting suspended, the inclination that I have now is to say that maybe maybe Mario Williams was the outlier, but because he wanted to do things differently, maybe he wanted to do things right, and so he got out and headed down to Miami, and now the Bills are in trouble, and you think, you know, that if they're not able to get it together this season, that that could be the end for Rex Ryan, you know, in his short tenure as the Buffalo Bills head coach, this is their chance. Tom Brady's missing the first four games of the season, and the Bills have no reason with the talent they have offensively and guys like Sammy Watkins and LaShawn McCoy. And defensively, you know, even with their pass rushers, you know, hindered, they should be able to get it done. And so if they can't, two to Lou, Rexy. But other breaking news is the Pro Football Hall of Fame just announced. They were, this is Tuesday afternoon. Uh, two contributor finalists for the class of 2017, potentially enshrinees, Paul Tagliabue, the former commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell's predecessor. Uh, Paul Tagliabue oversaw the league primarily in the 90s, which was a big growth for the National Football League, obviously a big boom in America in the 1990s, and oversaw the growth of the Dallas Cowboys dynasty and, and pretty much the dominance of the NFC. If it wasn't the Cowboys, it was the 49ers or the Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre, who just recently went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But the other finalist that is a contributor that it was just announced, speaking of those Cowboys, Jerry Jones, the owner, president, and general manager of my team, most of your teams, all the RJ Osho listeners, of the Dallas Cowboys, has officially been announced Excuse me, as a finalist, as a contributor for the 2017 class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, this is a big deal. This isn't just some other blue ribbon or, or you know thing to add to Jerry Jones' resume. To be selected or enshrined as in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a contributor is very difficult. This this isn't something they hand out to everybody. This, you know, I just wrote this up in a post for InsideTheStar.com. This, you know, the Hall of Fame is referred to as the most elite fraternity in professional football. And to be granted admission is not something that the the Pro Football Hall of Fame takes lightly. And I know that the Hall of Fame is under some, some ridicule because of what happened in the Hall of Fame game last week, you know, last week, two weeks ago, however you want to classify it. But this is a big and enormous deal. Given all the accomplishments, you know, that Jerry Jones has had in his life and his career in the NFL, this is by far, far and away potentially the greatest one and you know it's it's sort of I'll allow you to get excited because typically the people that are announced as contributor finalists this time of year 
are announced as Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinees the following January or February, the eve before the Super Bowl, which is really cool because Jerry Jones will potentially be announced as a Pro Football Hall of Famer in Houston, Texas, his state, and it'll be it'll be awesome. And and Jerry Jones, for those of you that don't know, is I mean, look, the reason the NFL is what it is today is because of Jerry Jones. He massively, I mean, just I cannot put into words how innovative he was in terms of tv marketing deals in terms of stadium marketing deals he revolutionized the way that the nfl was marketed and the amount of money that they are able to bring in the nfl is far and away the dominant sport when it comes to professional sports in the united states and it is that way because of the vision and the innovation of jerry jones this is a you know a highlight on his resume that is long long overdue jerry jones has deserved a bust in canton ohio for quite some time and i think it really took the exclamation point of bringing the nfl back to los angeles a move that jerry jones primarily orchestrated and puppeteered to make happen it was that that sort of served as the final like i said exclamation point on jerry jones's hall of fame career and i'm glad that the uh the Hall of Fame voters are are starting to realize that. And I hope that they, you know, I'm not trying to be grim about Jerry Jones, but he's obviously older. And I hope they realized and learned a lesson in Ken Stabler's late induction that, you know, people deserve to be honored while they're alive and while they can enjoy it and while their families and friends can enjoy it with them. And so I applaud the Hall of Fame for making this move and uh, congratulate Jerry Jones. This is a jam-packed episode of the RJO Show. There's, you know, preseason action going on. There are injuries that we've talked about already. Guys like Carson Wentz, who uh, is probably going to miss the rest of the preseason. Earlier today on Tuesday, the Eagles traded for Doyle Green Beckham, the wide receiver of the Tennessee Titans. Troubled wide receiver that is still uh, still learning how to play in the National Football League. But that could be an interesting move, give the Eagles some tall wide receivers. Today on the RJO Show, though, we're primarily talking about the Dallas Cowboys. And you know my affinity for the Cowboys as a staff writer, friends at the star.com and we're not so much talking about the current Dallas Cowboys as we are talking about past Cowboys and and Cowboys in terms of highlights Chris Weaver of NFL Films one of their feature producers is going to be on the show he and I chatted and we talked about the upcoming a football life episode you know that features Troy Aikman it's going to be awesome he's working on that and he's working on Dallas Cowboys highlights he's got the highlight package cut up for Tuesday's episode of Hard Knocks, the second one in the season. And so Chris was kind enough to take some time and come on the show and chat and give us a peek behind the curtain in terms of things that go on relative to the Cowboys in the NFL Films Library and uh, and building. And then he talked about the Cowboys and what he thinks they're going to do in 2016. So without further ado, let's get to that. We'll be right back after the break with Chris Weaver of NFL Films here on the RJO Show. Cowboys Nation, the preseason is here. That's right. We've watched a Dallas Cowboys football game this season, and it was glorious. The 2016 regular season is going to be here before we know it, though. And for all of your daily Dallas Cowboys needs, you're going to want to be checking out InsideTheStar.com. At Inside the Star, we have the best analysis on what's going on with America's team, and we cater specifically to you, the voices of a nation. At Inside the Star, we've got everything from the latest news to game previews, player profiles, to my bold predictions column that I write every single week. Make sure you check us out on the web. You can follow us on Twitter at Inside the Star DC. Like us on our official Facebook page, or you can hang out with us on Google+, Snapchat, or Instagram. At Inside the Star, we're going to have a great 2016 season with the Dallas Cowboys, and we want you to join us. So check Check us out and let's get back to this week's episode of the RJO Show.
Now, it is always a special day when you get a chat with a member of Sable's Army, and we are in for that treat here today on the RJO Show. Today's guest has a wide variety of experience in NFL films. Among the many things on his resume includes work on the NFL Films Present series, last year's A Tale of Two Cities episode of The Timeline, numerous highlight clips, and the upcoming A Football Life episode about Hall of Fame quarterback Troy Aikman. Please welcome future producer of NFL Films, Chris Weaver. What's going on, Chris? Hey, hey thanks for having me on. appreciate it. Just uh, actually just climbed out of the rabbit hole from doing Hard Knocks, the game, you know, featuring the Cowboys and the Rams. So uh, that's that's the last thing I've been doing and uh, ready to uh, ready to talk some Cowboys here in the NFL films. Good. So full disclosure here, you know, while you are one of the hardest working members of Sable's Army, you are a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> that's correct? Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah, I grew, yeah. Up, in, I grew up in Dallas. I've been up here for about uh, 13, 14 years, but still a Cowboys fan. I still I watch uh, virtually every game if I'm not working on something else or traveling, so still a big Cowboys fan, absolutely. Well, that's good to hear, especially considering, you know, you're up in New Jersey. That's, uh, that's enemy territory as far as Cowboys absolutely. are concerned. Um, you know, <laughs> and you, you mentioned you, you climbed out of the rabbit hole. Now, first question I have, is this like a – uh, an NFL film slang word, can I start using it and feel cool like I work at NFL Films, or is that just something you say? The rabbit hole? No, no, that's just, you know, an expression that it's uh, you're sort of going to battle and get, going into the weeds, and, and Hard Knocks is very much a show where, you know, it, it's a busy grinding, it takes a lot of people, a lot of resources. Steve Sable used to say it's like, it's like uh, building the airplane while it's in flight. Like, you still have all these parts and pieces coming together, but it's in motion, you know, and, and that's the whole nature of the beast. And when it comes to the the games in Hard Knocks, you know, that game was played on Saturday night, 8 p.m. our time as was kickoff, mm-hmm. and we're turning around, and it's going to be in the show tonight, you know, the day we're recording here on Tuesday, and it's going to be in the show. So we take we turn this stuff around really quickly, and it's and it's a grind, and it's it's it feels like you're going to battle with 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 your uh, with your your friends and your, and you're down in the weeds. So you're you're welcome to use that term, but definitely not something I I can take credit for. Well, that's cool, and I think that's really interesting. And I bet it's a totally different dynamic. You know, we're going to talk about in a little bit. You're working on the Football Life episode on Troy Aikman. It, I bet it's totally different because there you're you're working with with data and with film and things that you've shot well in the past, and you've got all this time versus like you're saying. You know, the the beauty and, and the sort of the lure of Hard Knocks is that tonight's episode, like you're saying on Tuesday, will be about last week. And, I, you know, as amazing as that is, you're right, that it's a testament to the, the hard work that goes into it. Um, so I imagine it's sort of frantic, you know, like a frantic month, I guess, because it doesn't really quit because, you know, next week you got another preseason game about the Rams to work on. But, um, you know, let's talk Cowboys-Rams. Um, first of all, you know, Dak Prescott, obviously the next – you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you're you're working on that for, for tonight's episode. What goes into that, you know, besides the obvious? Obviously, you want to include the, the big plays, but this is told from the lens of the Los Angeles Rams, so maybe it's not that heavy. What what goes into telling that story, you know, beyond guys that are, like, mic'd up and, and funny things you might catch? What's sort of the, the goal and the intention? You know, a lot of it is is – paying off characters that you're going to see earlier in the show, you know, and, and vice versa. Sometimes the way we, we, we cover that team, we paint the team all week long. 
not you know you don't know what's going to happen in the game, but the game is is usually the payoff in these episodes. So if you know, I can tell you, Nelson Spruce ends up sort of being the hero of the game for the Rams. He, he's a, he was the receiver that fueled that game-winning drive for them, and so then we know, okay, he's a big deal. We got, he's going to be a big deal in the body of the show, or, or or you know somebody else like that. So it's it's really pointing to the games in the end, and and telling the full arc of the week ending on the game. And so, you know, Prescott as as a character, you know, he's not a character in the show, but I'll say this, you know, I I cut the the early 14 nothing lead by the Cowboys and uh it he you get a good look at, you know, the Dez touchdown, you see what went wrong for for the Rams more obviously than what the Cowboys did right. Mm-hmm. But uh I, I was watching Dak Prescott as a fan and was very impressed with what I saw and knew that, you know, he, he's he's beaten down our Rams here for the show. So that's part, you know, that's part of the beginning of that game for sure. Well, I bet that was, you know, quite the uh, the project for you. Just, hey, Chris, go go watch the Cowboys game, you know, for work. Right. It's been a, a daunting experience. Uh, <laughs> right no, and that's that's the thing about working here. You know, I'm I'm a big football fan. I love making films, and so it's a it's a perfect marriage. And and you're right, that's it. It's like, you know, it's a Saturday night. You know, I'd, I'd probably be watching that game on my couch. So, but instead, I'm watching my colleagues here in here in the in NFL Films headquarters. And and uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it's, it definitely doesn't feel like work when I'm when you're watching the Cowboys. You know. Well, that's that's sort of interesting, and I have a question in regards to that. You know, I I write about the Cowboys, and I talk about them here and stuff, and so obviously I've got a lot committed to memory when it comes to the Cowboys because they're my team. When it comes to, you know, you're you're working on some Cowboys projects, and I want to, you know, get into that in a little bit, but, you know, you're a Cowboys fan, so when, when you know, the subject of, for example, Troy Aikman's football life comes up, do they come to Chris Weaver and say, hey, Chris, you're the Cowboys fan, you're our guy, can we do it? Because you know, you sort of have this mental Rolodex of, of things that, say, someone who's a fan of the San Diego Chargers would because they're not a fan. And so, you know, and maybe you wouldn't be as, as well-versed on the, you know, life of Kellen Winslow. But does, does that factor into this at all, or is it pure coincidence? Or how does that, you know, work, you know, in terms of NFL films and maybe project assignments? It absolutely factors in. Uh, one of the unique things about NFL Films is we, we probably I think we have about sixty producers, and we have almost a fan. We have a fan of almost every team. I mean, even sort of more obscure teams. You know, the Seahawks before they were the dominant Seahawks they are now. We got a couple mm-hmm. Seahawks fans. You know, we have a guy from Kansas City that's a Chiefs fan, and, and so on. And they definitely and, and, and uh, there's something to being passionate about something and, and that that sort of coming through in your work. And so. You know, our heads of producers, our bosses, they're, they're smart enough to know that. And so, yeah, they, they put people on their teams. You know, we got a Detroit Lions fan. He does a lot of the Detroit stuff. And so – and we have a few Cowboys fans, and we don't we don't have to – you know, there's plenty of Cowboys stuff to go around. We do a lot of Cowboys programming. And so they definitely have that in mind when they when they assign a, us to something like that, like put you on a Troy Aikman football life. Or, you know, I do the, the Dallas Cowboys team highlight, the official team highlight. I've done it for about five of the last six years or so. And – they definitely know that in addition to not just uh, being passionate about it, they know I watch every game from the Cowboys, and so they know I'm going to have an understanding of what that is. And, yeah, you're right, the history to a certain degree, too. You know, I lived in Dallas when, when they were, you know, during the dynasty days, so I was very much uh, invested in it as a as a young man, and, and they know that. And so, yeah, the history helps, the passion helps, and then the knowledge helps. So they, that's that's all part of it. That's that's not a coincidence, you know. See, I find all that fascinating, and, and I I believe in, in my heart of hearts, and I think it, it's shown in the work that the the head haunters of NFL films are geniuses because they understand you know they understand these commonalities, these things that that are common sense that I think other people might try to outthink. 
you know, they say, let me, you know, curse the Cowboys fan, let's put them on the Cowboys front. Instead of thinking, let's get super objective about it, whatever, you know, because you, you're right. I love that you said the word passionate. There needs to be – that's what every NFL film's fans want. You know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you want to see a passionate story, you know, about the Chiefs. And I think that's great. You mentioned, um, you know, growing up in Dallas. I just – I want to say we had Paul Camerata on here uh, a while back, and uh, the episode in the top of the timeline about the 49ers Cowboys rivalry, the Tales Two Cities, was incredible. I mean, seriously, great. bravo. And uh, I know you had a lot to do with that. What was that project like for you, just as a big-time Cowboys fan? And obviously, I imagine, you know, growing up and in that time, you have a deep, you know, hatred for the 49ers. What was telling that story like? Well, it's funny. Paul and I, I'm glad you talked to Paul because he's a, a real close friend of mine, and we do a lot of collaborating on, on works. And, and and that's one of those things that he and I would brainstorm on stuff, and that was very much his show. He ran that show, and I, I was more of a segment producer on it, but we bounced a lot of ideas off each other. And, you know, we wanted the, the that show, that, that pair of shows, to be about the cities as well. I mean, that was Paul's vision to sort of dive into – you know, not just what was happening on the field in San Francisco and Dallas, but also what was happening off the field in those cities. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yes, as a, I I'm I I don't want to say I'm a 49ers hater, but as far as <laughs> NFL teams go, they're on my list of uh, teams that I, I dislike because of the Cowboys. You know, along right. with the, the Eagles and the Steelers, and and so it, it's funny to view something like that through that lens. And you know, like for example, the '94 championship that the Cowboys end up losing. It's like, well, we got to make you know part of that story is. That Dion held Michael Irvin, or at least that's my opinion of it. And you know, we we made that a part of the show, and and you know the catch. Nobody wants to really, you know, when I was growing up, my dad, if if the catch, you know, if NFL Films showed the catch, Dwight Clark's catch, you know, my dad would change the channel. It was just like we were on, we were just not allowed to watch that in my house. So anyway, I grew up, I grew up, you know, having strong feelings about about the 49ers in those games. But as a film goes, you know, you do have to step back and and try to be objective. But at the same time, Paul wanted sort of a uh, a Dallas point of view on that, you know, and it was his decision to go with two narrators, which was something we've never done before, I don't think ever, and he wanted those to sort of be the voices of the fans of those cities. So in that sense, I got the, I, I, I helped him, I think I helped him give the Dallas fans a voice on some of these moments in history that were, you know, significant in Cowboys history, and hopefully that came through, and I think the series, I think Paul did a tremendous job pulling that together and turning that into two shows, and a lot of other people work on that too, by the way, but it was his vision from the beginning, and and he did a heck of a job with it. Absolutely, and and again, just stand-up job by all of you. I I can't tell you, I'm just, I'm on cloud nine right now, just hearing you talk (laughs) about all this, like, it's so fascinating for me to get this peek behind the curtain, and before I move on, the one thing I want to say that I noticed about that is, and this is really specific to the Cowboys, I feel like, and I think you'll understand it as a Cowboys fan and having watched what I would guess to be literally thousands of clips from multiple teams, is you could pull a Cowboys Niners clip from any era in history because the Cowboys predominantly wear their home white jerseys. It, that's the uniform matchup, you know, in, in almost any game, Cowboys white, Niners reds. And I think it serves as this great common denominator for that, that rivalry, you know what I mean? Absolutely, and I think you know there's a bite with Jerry Jones about that. How he said he's got he's got this Norman Rockwell painting uh, that's it's called the Toss, and I'm, I don't know if you remember this in the film, and that's what he says is the two the two teams are standing you know sort of toe to toe waiting on the coin toss, and one team's red and one team's uh, white and blue, and he's like I still see Cowboys and Forty Nine ers, and you're very you're, and you're correct, and and that's an interesting thing about the Cowboys. You, it's almost like when you see them in the blue jerseys, it just it's jarring, you know, because. Mm-hmm. 
90 whatever percent of the time they're in those whites and so you're right it's red it's white against red and and uh it sort of adds to the uh the imagery of in the in the mystique of that rivalry and again that's all part of what Paul was seeing you know like you said you can turn on almost any era and those games end up having something important happen and and that was part of this I think the thinking behind uh doing this this show and in the end by the way I'll say this we went you know we got that bite from Jerry Jones let's say in like March, well, then we went back to his house and shot the painting, you know, filmed the painting because he's got the original Norman Rockwell and I directed uh-huh. that shoot. And that was a, that was a really neat experience, by the way, to go see a, a work of art that that's that neat. And by such an, you know, an important American painter, like I enjoy just going and seeing the painting and, and filming it. So very cool experience. I really enjoyed that. That is awesome. And, and, and seriously, I mean, again, I'm just, I'm, all, I'm, I'm nerding out right now. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> um, so growing up in Dallas, Obviously, you're a big fan of the Cowboys. You uh, you big Danny White guy, I assume. Well, he's a little before my time, but he's the first quarterback I remember. Like I, I, you know, I was born in 1980, so you know, as a kid, I remember Randy White, Dorsett, and and Danny White. And it's funny. I'm a big I'm a big believer in Danny White's story. Meaning, if you go, you know, growing up. He was almost like this. Uh, it was like McNabb here in Philly. It's like people wanted to like him, but he just kept coming up short, you know, and not, through no fault of his own. And he he wasn't really well, you know, liked in Dallas for all those years. But now when I go back there and I interview these people, they have the perspective, and they're like, you know what, the town was too hard on on Danny White. He was a really good quarterback at the time, but when he was in, the, you know, following the footsteps of Roger Staubach, and then eventually, you know. Aikman coming right after him and winning championships, he he sort of got wedged into a tough time and and I do I do like Danny White, but he's a little I don't remember him playing as much as I do the name and the image, if you will. No, I get that, and you're right. It was definitely a a rough rough hand that Danny was dealt, and I think he played it to his his best ability. And you know, I'd love to see enough football life on him. Just I mean, that'd be a great story. Um, and yeah. you guys have enough football eyes. I mean, your slate came out last week, and uh, it, it's incredible. I mean, it, it, this season, the sixth season, you know, features guys like Steve Young, the late Pat Tillman, which I think is going to be really chilling, recent Hall of Fame inductee Brett Favre, who loves to talk about himself, obviously, Michael Vick, Jim Brown, and, and obviously Troy Aikman. And, and, you know, you talked about, okay, Chris, you're the you're the Cowboys guy. I want to put you on Troy. And so – you know, first of all, why why Troy Aikman? I mean, this is you know, I don't. I, mean, I think people sort of have glossed over it's his 10 year anniversary of entering the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Was that kind of why, or was it just sort of, hey, we haven't told this story yet? Yeah, I think it's mostly that we just haven't really told this story. We we did a we did a profile of him. Uh, in 2001, right after he retired, Steve Sable did an interview with him, and we did a profile on him. But we haven't done like a real comprehensive profile since then, you know. And you're talking 15 years ago, and he's obviously a really high-profile quarterback, a Hall of Famer, playing on an extremely high-profile franchise. And so it just sort of added up to being let's 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 tell this story. And it's funny, I've forgotten it's been 10 years until you said that that he's been in the Hall of Fame, and that's just unbelievable. It really is, you know. And you think about it, his Hall of Fame class. I mean, you know, his classmates, obviously, the late Reggie White and, and John Madden, obviously. You know, I my dad, right. was at the, my dad was at the 1995 NFC Championship game, kind of when I was still a little kid. And 50%, if you think about it, of the 2006 Hall of Fame class is in that game because you got Troy, Reggie, mm-hmm. and then Madden and some are all on the call. And I just – I don't know how often that's happened. You know, you look at a Hall of Fame class, it's such a large percentage ever played in one game together. Obviously, Madden not playing, but I think you get the idea. Um, so, oh, absolutely, absolutely, and that's a, that's a that's one of the that's an incredible football game too. One of the hardest hitting. I've seen that game a couple times since then, 
And uh, that's one of the hardest-hitting football games I think I've ever seen. Great game. For sure. And I believe the highest attendance ever at Texas Stadium, which, um, you know, I think we both have some fond memories of. And so, Absolutely. Uh, okay, you're going to tell the Troy Aikman story, who dominated Texas Stadium. And what goes into it? I mean, obviously, you talk about, you know, he's a three-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, Super Bowl MVP. You know, he's a member of the triplets. What are sort of the the non-obvious storylines and maybe the non-obvious people who you wanted to get to talk about Troy Aikman? Obviously, you know, you're going to go after Emmitt and in, in Irvin and maybe Jimmy and Jerry, but who else? Who else is potentially going to be in this? Yeah, all those people you named, but then uh, we we talked to like one of his childhood friends, uh, a guy named Darren Leslie, who stood. They're still really good friends. It's a kid he met. Well, I say a kid. They met when they were kids in Oklahoma and Henrietta. And you know, that's mm-hmm. for example, that's that's a big part of the story is how he was transplanted from Los Angeles as a kid. Well, 20 minutes outside of Los Angeles as a kid, and he was basically in the city. And then his 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 father moved the whole family to Henrietta, Oklahoma, and he was seven miles from downtown Henrietta. So he was he basically went from being in, you know, a bustling part of Los Angeles to the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma, and it it sort of set him on his path for the rest of his life. And he went from you know riding his bike around town and playing basketball with his buddies to suddenly helping build the family house. He was up there on the roof helping put the house together, and then he was tending the livestock. And it's all this stuff like that a lot of people probably don't know about Troy Aikman. And I and I'd say that's that's sort of the the thesis of the whole show is at a glance Troy Aikman looks like he had it made the whole way. You know he's a first round draft pick. He played you know for an outstanding UCLA team, won some Super Bowls. But the truth is he he had a it was a much more difficult path than I think people might realize. And I think the people are going to see that in this film how how he had to sort of overcome some challenges and adapt to some challenges. And uh, and figure out how to be what what he ultimately became in Troy Aikman, the Hall of Fame quarterback. No, I agree, and, and you're right. I mean, the I, I think you're right that the people certainly think, oh, you know, just this sort of everything handed to him. But I mean, dealt with a lot of adversity. Obviously, you know, growing up in Henrietta, I believe they're like the Fighting Chickens or something is like their mascot or something like that. And right, the, that's right, the hens. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, they go. You know, then he goes to Oklahoma. You know, he stays in in, in state and. And then, you know, deals with a, a season-ending injury. And, you know, before he goes, goes you know, even goes to UCLA, people think, oh, he just went to UCLA, whatever. That, that's a big story in and of itself. And, and, you know, the story about Jimmy Johnson trying to recruit him every time. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, I'm, I'm so fascinated to, to see this. Um, and because, you know, I, I think that Troy is such a, a sort of, I want to say, like, undervalued member of, of NFL history. And I know that sounds weird because he plays – he played for the Cowboys, whatever, but you think about his impact on the game, you know, obviously the 90s Cowboys are one of the greatest dynasties of all time. You know, he's a part of the triplets, which is something we've never really seen before. But now he's a, a, you know, a broadcaster, and he's not just some run-of-the-mill broadcaster. He's on the number one team for Fox who gets all these prominent games every week. And, you know, is, is that a part of his, his story here? Because he is you know, when we're going to look back on this in, in 20, 30 years, Troy Aikman is going to be everywhere. You know what I mean? So is that important to this story? Absolutely. And in, in fact, that's one of the questions. Uh, a guy named Digger O'Brien is the is sort of the lead producer on this, and, and he sort of structured out the story and did all the interviews himself. And uh, he asked Troy at one point, he's like, "Do you know, there's a, there's a, 
a segment of the population, a percentage of the population now that thinks of you as a broadcaster instead of a quarterback. And, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers, but he had a pretty interesting answer, you know, and, and that's sort of along the lines of it. It's a part of his life now, and especially for younger people, they think of him like his own, his own daughters. They think of him as a broadcaster, not a quarterback, because they were too young to see that. So that's definitely going to be a part of his story. That's in interesting. Yeah, I think that's interesting that it's a part of his story in, in 2016 when, when Fox has the Super Bowl. I mean, it, it's a great, great get for you guys in that, you know, just that the timing works out like that. And, you know, his, like you said, his broadcast career, you could go so deep into just on its own, the fact that he works with Joe Buck and, and his broadcast career, and you know, his father's obviously. Um, I, I'm so excited. Um, well, you know, where would you rank the Troy Aikman of football life in terms of other things you've worked on? You know, and I, I know there's a long list, but this had to be special for you. Oh, absolutely special. I mean, and I tell I tell people that all the time. I'm I'm very fortunate that I get to do all these Cowboys stories. And you know, like I said earlier, it's it's it, everybody wins when when that happens. And uh, I it's I'm as excited about this as anything I've done. I mean, he was a childhood hero of mine, and and he's a in addition to being a great quarterback, he he seems like a really good guy and and a da- and a good dad. Like that's part of the story too. He's you know he's got two daughters and he's doing his best to make them the best people he can. And and he's sort of taken on that challenge like it, like he did football and broadcasting. He he puts his entire self into that, you know, and, and we're seeing that in this film, and it's an exciting, it's an exciting film that I, I'm really, I'm really glad to be a part of, and and uh, and again, I'm sort of knee deep in that now. That's that's what I'm working on these days. So it's been a fun, it's been fun already, and it's going to continue to be fun. That's awesome, and, and I'm really excited. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's going to be one. I'm just going to call it. Out. It's going to be one of my favorite episodes of the football life. I, I, love, <laughs> I bet, I, it, love, I bet it will be too. <laughs> I love them all, but I mean, I, I am I'm very confident that I'm just going to really, really love it. Um, so you worked extensively on All or Nothing, which was Amazon Correct, yeah. pro- profiling the 2015 Arizona Cardinals. Now, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not you know I'm not someone who works in the rabbit hole or anything, but I think <laughs> this, <laughs> I think this is the future of NFL films potentially because you know you talked about how difficult it was. Or, or it can be to to do like hard knocks because you're dealing with you know like like the you know the late great Steve Stable said you know building an airplane while it's flying, and you know I don't, I don't necessarily think that all or nothing has that challenge, but it's got to be difficult profiling a team across their whole season. Um, and so, what was that challenge like? And and do you think that this is maybe there you know the future in terms of similar projects that we're going to see from NFL films? Well, the first part of the question. This is probably the most difficult project we've ever done like I, I certainly since i've been here in terms of like uh amount of material to go through and and how much to cover and you know you're talking eight one hour episodes and it's on a new format we've never really done anything for online streaming and so there was a lot of new variables that we'd never dealt with but we were excited to to, to cha- you know try and, and we were looking forward to those challenges but it was a very difficult uh process and took a lot of people and a lot of work like like it's it, it's similar to hard knocks in that regard and that we have to throw a lot at it but you know the turnaround is different so it's a different beast in hard knocks but it is it, it's something that you know steve sable wanted to do he, he wanted to document a whole season like this and we've been wanting to do it for a long time and the cardinals were interested in doing it and they turned out to be basically the perfect i don't think i could have handpicked a better team to do it with last year because oh, they were they were a good team with great personalities a really entertaining head coach that knows what he's doing you know a good quarterback everything you want a rookie running back that comes in and and, and sort of blows everybody away and Star players like Patrick Peterson and, and Ty Matthew, it was a it was sort of a perfect storm, and and you, you don't know that you know it's it's one of those things that we we know we're doing it while we're shooting it, but the world doesn't know that, and we're sort of following them, going, 
we might really have something. This team, it looks Super Bowl ready. By about week 10, we're really thinking about that. And and by then, you're you're pulling for them because you want to you want that inside peak of a team that, that's Super Bowl bound. And and, mm-hmm. and you know they got right there to the cusp of it. And unfortunately for for the Cardinals and and I guess for the show, you know they 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 couldn't quite get over the hump and get in the Super Bowl. But I'll tell you, that was something when I heard we were doing it, I, I asked to get on that. I was very excited about the potential to, to be a part of that. And so I went to the showrunner, uh, a guy named Keith Cosro. Uh, he, he he was a big part of that and made it made it what it was. And uh, it was something I was interested in doing right away. And I'm, it was very hard, very challenging, but as rewarding as anything I've ever worked on. I, I think it came out really well. I I think it, it's an inside look that nobody's ever seen of a team like that, and and again the Cardinals seem to be the perfect team for it last year. No, I agree, and I would say it's incredibly unique, not just in terms of NFL history and NFL films. I would say in sports, you know, we've we've never seen yeah. a, a team profiled like that across their whole season. And you know, I had um I had, we had Shannon Furman um, on the show a, few, a while back, and she talked about it. And, you know, sort of talked about different episodes and things like that, but. You know, you, you talk about you 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 know you're almost rooting for the Cardinals at that point, just for the right. for the sake of the project. And I, you know, I thought about it, and imagine if they'd won the Super Bowl. Imagine right. what, what an incredible gift that would have been for the Cardinals. You know, to forever be able to watch that. You know what I mean? Like that. that oh yeah, be- no, I did think about it. You know, you're saying think about it, and and believe me, I did. It's when they went into the playoffs. That's we're all thinking that here. You know what I mean? And uh, I think you know. And then they played that game against the Packers, that playoff game, and it was just an unbelievable classic. And we we probably covered that game. I, I, I mean, I think I could say that, safely say that we covered that, that playoff game better than any playoff game we've ever covered in history. And here here's one of the great games ever. And, and then, I don't know, if people haven't seen that episode, it's the seventh episode of the series. It's incredible. Like, that game is... is like I said, it's as well covered as anything NFL Films ever did in the playoffs. And uh, believe me, we wanted them in the Super Bowl as bad as they wanted to be in the Super Bowl, I, I'm guessing. <laughs> No, I I completely agree with you. You I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones fan, but I... Oh, yeah. Okay, well, this past season's finale, I told somebody, you know, right after I said, the whole show is worth watching just to experience that episode. And (laughs) I would would literally go rewatch the entire 2015 NFL season and the first six episodes of All or Nothing just to watch that seventh episode. That's how incredible it was. Uh, yeah, no, they did a really good job. They, I, I wasn't on that episode specifically, but I, but they did a tremendous job. And in fact, when we we did a when we premiered the show, uh, Amazon held a premiere party in L.A. a screening, a premiere screening and party. And I went out there, and that's the episode that uh, Keith Kaiser, the showrunner, wanted to show because it was such an unbelievable game. And that's so that's what we ended up watching in the theater with with a lot of the players that were in the show and, and some fans. And that that was an unbelievable experience in itself. Man, that's awesome. And you know, you you said it, you know. You could not have picked a better team. And, he, like, even that episode is such a microcosm of it because of the personality. Like, even Mrs. Arians added to that episode right. so much. Um, but, you're, I mean, it just was this incredible sort of natural, organic coincidence. And how often do you find that happening in, in whatever you're cutting or whatever you're working on, just something that you say, I mean, this is amazing that this was in no way – this is something you could never plan, and it happened, and it works to tell the story I'm trying to tell. How often does that happen in the NFL? All the time, all the time. I mean, I, I, I mean, I almost every project to a certain degree has something come up that you don't, 
expect or plan, and, and that's a lot of what documentary filmmaking is, and it's a lot of what the excitement is as a filmmaker because you don't know. You know, you can script something however you want it, but until you go out there and do it, it's like it's like a football game itself. You just don't know what's going to happen, but something's likely going to happen, and without question, we sort of luck into or the circumstances turn in a certain way, and you just go, and sometimes you don't even know it till it's over, and you go, man, can you believe this? This happened this way, and it, it it helped our story like this, and and even like this Hard Knocks game, you know, we didn't against the, the Rams Cowboys game. We don't we didn't know that uh, Nelson Spruce was going to be a big deal in the game, but then mm-hmm. he he was, and it and it made the game a lot better, if, you know, from a film standpoint. And so, again, showrunner Ken Rogers, he knows that, and and he's going, well, this is our guy in the show, you know, in the, in the game rather, and so. All the time, things come out of nowhere, and it's a fun, and that's a really fun and experience to see something just blindside you, and you go, "Wow, we really are fortunate that that happened that way." No, that's amazing, and I'm I'm excited to see tonight's episode just because I bet you guys framed it so well with you know the return to Los Angeles, the first game in the Coliseum, and it, 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 had, it ends up having this sort of dramatic finish, you know, dramatic albeit a preseason game, but I mean, still, I mean, right. I'm. I bet you guys, um, you know, just knock that out of the park. And, um, I mean, seriously, everything you guys do, everything your hands and computers touch is gold. And I, I would, you know, I feel like if I ever make it to NFL films, I would be like, you know, Scrooge McDuck when he dives into, like, all the gold coins. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. how I would, that's how I would be. And, um, you know, so you're going to be working on a lot of Cowboys projects this year, obviously Detroit went of football life and, you know, you're going to be doing their highlights. You, you said that you did them, you've done them five out of the last six years. Before we get to 2015, what do you think, if, you know, off the top of your head, what's one of the best highlights you've ever cut of the Dallas Cowboys in the last five, six years? Uh, I thought last year's, uh, the, the 2014 year, I mean, that was uh, as much fun as I've ever had cutting a half hour film, <laughs> Bec- you know, and now look, you know, it didn't uh it didn't end the way I wanted like obviously I want him to win the Super Bowl as a fan and as a film as the guy who makes the film but uh that was a lot of fun to cut that film because they were they were it, it was it was easy to watch the film and go wow they are a good team and we captured their season really well you know and and like I said it's unfortunate that it had to end that way in Green Bay but that was a lot of fun to do you know anytime the Cowboys are good that that makes it a lot more fun to to cut that's for sure I bet, and but you know, as a filmmaker, I don't know, and maybe this makes you a bit of a, a Cowboys masochist, but maybe this, you know, I, I think that, that that turmoil, that heartbreak, maybe makes for a better film and for a better sequel. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if the Cowboys do it this year, I'm sure you pick right up off the turf in Green Bay where Des caught that ball. Well, I can tell you this, that I, I want to see Tony Romo win a Super Bowl so badly because I think his story is so great, but it needs that. I, I want to see that happy ending so that when we have to go back, because that's, you know, part of, the, part of that film, if you will, would be him, you know, dropping that snap in Seattle. And it's like, I don't even really, you know, it's not that I put the blame on him for that loss necessarily, but it's like that. So to your point, you know, it's good to have some drama and some pitfalls to, to you know, resurrect or redeem a, a, a character or a team or whatever. But that said, I always want to see the Cowboys win. You know, that's just that's just the way I am. And so there is some there is some merits as a filmmaker to, to having some drama to, you know, uh, some, some downfall to help bring the team back up in a story. But I want to see him win, and especially Tony Romo. I'm a big fan. I've been a big fan of his since he, you know, since that preseason in, what was it, 04, I guess. So I'm I'm always pulling for him, and winning is a lot more fun than losing, and and that 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 counts for filmmaking too. No, I believe it, and and you're right though, and that you know if 
I think someday, I think you could, you know, I think you and I are both, both very biased here, but I think that you could easily and probably objectively say that Tony Romo is the greatest story when it comes to undrafted players in NFL history. I know Kurt Warner's out there, and, and I'm a big fan of Kurt Warner, but, you know, playing for the Cowboys has a different appeal and a different value and a different responsibility. And, Absolutely. And, and you're right that, that, you know, Tony is the hero in this story and that we've seen him, you know, you know, struggle against adversity, whether it's the playoffs game in Seattle in 06, and, and even the way he enters, he's, you know, on October 23rd, 2006, he comes in the second half on Monday Night Football and right away throws an interception. You know, it, it, right, it, yep. And, and he has all these classic battles, you know, beating the undefeated Colts that season, or even, you yep. know, fast forwarding seven years and, and the duel with Peyton, you know, the Broncos season. I mean, he has these, you know, that story would be incredible. But you're right that obviously it would be so sweet to cap it off uh, with a Super Bowl ring, you know, and I, and I think you and I both agree he's, he's well-deserving. And so it, you know, it sort of leads me to my last point. My last question is sort of, you know, climb out the, the, the filmmaker rabbit hole and Chris Weaver, the Cowboys fan, uh, what do you think, you know, is going to happen this season for the Cowboys? You, you've got one preseason game worth of data to analyze. And, yep. um, you know, what do you, do you think this team has a 2014 type chance? Because, you know, it, it's, it's a little scary. It's a little bit of a precarious situation for the Cowboys. How do you, how do you think, uh, how do you venture to guess they're going to do this season? Well, you know, if you'd asked me this about four days ago, I would have told you that it, it all boils down to Romo because that's what we mm-hmm. saw last year. Is were they one and eleven without him in the lineup, and that's that's what the highlight film turned into. By the way, you know that's the simplicity of it. It's like when he was playing, they played pretty daggum good, and when he wasn't, they they didn't win. So, but you know that's what that's what Prescott has sort of added, at least for this seven day period till he plays again is. Maybe we're not don't have to be as worried about you know when we lost Kellen Moore everybody's up in arms going well let's go let's go find Foles or let's go find McCown and I think the Cowboys here we maybe we can have a little more insight now and go you know what they were smart enough to say let's see what we already have before we go give up the farm for a 33 year old Josh McCown mm-hmm. and uh, but so it's not quite as simple as what I'm getting at it's not quite as simple maybe as it's all to Romo but I'll say this I you know the defense I'm concerned about it but I was very concerned about it last year and I think Marinelli is a guy that that knows what he knows how to take the pieces that he has in his hand and make it work and so I'm sort of putting a lot of faith in in Marinelli and his defense again this year but they're they're a good team there's no doubt about it I mean I don't think you can can question them too much about how how talented they are going into the season. Now, my expectations, I I really don't know. I, I don't really go into seasons with a whole lot of expectations. It seems like the years that you that you have the high expectations are the years that it sort of falls apart. You know, we went into 2014 and nobody thought they were going to win seven games. You know, and here they were. It was one of the best regular seasons they, that they ever had. And then you know we start off 2015 last year and we're going in going well we just we were one step away from the Super Bowl so they must be great again and then you know Romo goes down and it, and it and it sort of fell apart so my expectations are they're going to be good I don't know I don't know how good they'll be and there's so many factors but I, my, I I'm I'm obviously very hopeful and I want to see Romo and Dez out there and healthy and I think if they can stay healthy they're going to be a playoff team I agree and you know they're fortunate enough to be in the division. That is, I mean, if we're being honest, it's pretty sorry, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah. that, but at the end of the day, that's your ticket, you know. And you, all you need is, is a ticket to get into that dance. And right. I think, I think that you know, you know, and obviously, you know, we saw, you know, an all or nothing that, that anything can happen there. The craziest things can happen in that dance. And 
I um, I'm I'm with you. I'm hopeful, and it's it's sort of amazing that the common denominator across Romo's career, you know, and you talk about this guy that's an undrafted player, sort of the the least qualified person to be in this position from a you know a resume standpoint. Is it's all him? It's all Tony Romo all the that's time. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, going back to him, that would add to his story how continually he is relied upon and relied upon and, and the, the defense is, is bad and, and questionable and, and this and that. And I think that, you know, the, the John Elway, Terrell Davis comparison has been made, but I do think that Zeke is going to perhaps extend Tony's career, you know, by a season or two. You know what I mean? If, sure. if, Romo, if Romo's asked to throw far less, I think that, you know, um, yeah, he sticks around a little bit longer. I do think, and I'll ask you, I think the Romo injury narrative is absurd. You know, the guys, you know, I'm not at all trying to say he's made of steel or anything, but, you know, the guy missed, 12, you know, 12 games last year. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, before that, he, you know, he missed one game in 2014, one game in 2013. You know, people act like this is really common. You know what I mean? Well, I think part of that, you know, it's that same collarbone, you know, and I think – you got you got to wonder, you know, if, if how this thing's going to hold up. Uh, I, you know, I don't think of him as being especially brittle. To your point, but he, he definitely, there's definitely been some seasons where I'm trying to remember what year that was. He also got hurt against the Giants, and, and it's what was that around 2012, maybe 13. 2010. And 10. Wow, is that long ago? And so, you know, those seasons ended up not going well. You know, and mm-hmm. so. You know, I, I want him to stay healthy. I'm a big believer in him, and you made a good point about Elliott. And it's like, you know, one of the reasons they were so successful in 14 is because Murray had that great year, and they sort of took a little pressure off of him. And so I definitely – I'm looking forward to seeing Elliott. I don't I don't watch a ton of college football, so I haven't seen much of him. So I'm looking forward to just seeing him moving around. But, you know, it's hard not to, it's hard not to walk out of last week's game and, and not want to see Prescott another – at least one more time and see, you know – if that was a fluke or if, if that's what he really is. But my sense is, he, you know, Prescott's going to be good. And so I feel a little better and not having to worry too much about Romo's health in that regard. Now, I want Romo out there, no doubt about it. But no, I feel I, like there's a little more cushion than we might have thought a week ago. I agree. And I think that, that Dak's, I don't want to even say resurgence, but just emerging as, as a right. potential, you know, backup quarterback. That's, that's got to alleviate an incredible amount of pressure from Tony himself, you know, because he knows the narrative. He knows if I, you know, without me, these guys, these jokers are one in 11 last year, you know, it's got to make me right. feel a lot better that, man, if I have to miss the game, Dak's back there, we can, you know, we can still get this thing going. Uh, right. So that's really interesting. Final question, Chris, and thank you so much for the time. What's your, you know, one of your most favorite NFL films moments relative to the Cowboys? Oh, let's see. Um, well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking from from now backwards. That that Romo drive against Detroit in the playoffs. That was that was pretty special. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on all time. Jeez. Uh, you know, winning you know winning Super Bowls. That was a lot of fun. Um, I'll tell you this. I guess what year was that? Oh, uh, what was the year T.O. caught 15 or 16 touchdowns? Well, the, I think that the was. Big- the big year was 07. That was the year they were the number one seed in the NFC. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was the year for me. That was the year that they were they were going to go. I was really in my mind they, they were going to that Super Bowl. So I'm actually giving you the heartbreak instead of the my favorite moments. <laughs> it, it, it that's to your point earlier about the heart, you know the drama and the heartbreak. That year I was very very uh, invested in and in, and in felt like you know I don't want to say sure but I I was really 
pulling for them to put, to make it into the into that to the Super Bowl that year. And I think, you know, that Giants game, I think they were better than the Giants that year. Now I don't know if they would have gone in and beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl like the Giants did, but I felt like we were better than the Giants that year. And so I could tell you that that was the most heartbreaking loss. I mean, that to me was worse than the Seattle loss. Like I was convinced they were going. And so when they couldn't pull that pull that out, I was uh, I was that was as devastated as I ever got over a football game. So again, no. you're looking for the high the high points, <laughs> and I'm I'm going straight for the low ones. But I think uh, that that Romo drive last year, because I am such a big fan too, mm-hmm. I, seeing him lead that drive against Detroit, uh, you know, helped you know alleviate at least some of the question marks about whether he could do it in a big game because I think he can and I think he proved it there so that that was definitely a, a fun one and and fun to look back on no absolutely and, and you're right that 07 playoff loss and you know what 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 made it worse in hindsight was the the Cancun trip and everything that you know that just was, was salt and wounds everywhere but um, but you're right that the Detroit drive was, and I know it sounds dramatic, but I think it's pertinent. It was sort of an exorcism, you know, of, of all this, sure. uh, you know, like you're saying, doubt and, and sort of a fodder that existed around Tony Romo and his career. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this, Chris. I believe that the world, the universe, is, is not that cruel to have put you and I through all of these trials <laughs> and tribulations with Tony Romo for, for it to not have the ultimate payoff. You know, like the story, I mean, you're, you're a filmmaker. You, you know, this, you, you know, what story does that without the final, you know, moment of glory? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I'll tell you this, you know, we do a show uh, every year, what's called America's Game. And it's about the, t- you know, the team that won the Super Bowl. We do yeah. one hour on that, on that season through the, through the, through the eyes of three, pl- you know, three people, usually an offensive, a defensive and a coach. And I can, I get, I joke every year with our show, with the show, uh, the department heads. And I always say, yep, this, you know, I'm signing up for America's Game now. So when, when Romo and the Cowboys win, I can, I can make that film. And so, no, I'm dying to see the Cowboys win it again. They haven't done it since I was a, a kid. And it's, it's, it's been a long time, and it's a film I'd love to make. And and believe me, I'm going to be pulling for him to do it this year. And I hope Romo can and the, and the boys can pull it out. No, I'm with you, and I'm glad you brought up America's Game. Arguably my favorite series that you guys do. And and I'm love it, I'm, yep. I'm 100% with you. There are moments like that you think watching that that Lions playoff drive, and you think that's going to be on the America's Game. You know, you're just like you're already getting. Excited. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's I'm going to hear Romo explaining. You know what was going on in his mind and, and whatever. Um, and I just, I'm with you, Chris. And I, I think that, you know, this is our, our year, you know, 2016, two plus one plus six is nine. And so I think that right there, you know, we're good. And it's only here. <laughs> I've seen you, I've seen your tweets about numbers. Are you like a number, uh, like a number expert or what? I, I just, um, I'm, I'm a little bit random. I just like, you know, I like to see, uh, I like coincidences. And so I like to see, uh, what there is and, and things like that, but the the number thing has kind of become my thing, just random, um, you know, numbers. Because you know, at the end of the day, that's fun to talk about. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yep, yep. Well, hopefully, number you know, nine and eighty-eight and eighty-two and all those guys will add up to fifty-one Super Bowl fifty-one this year somehow. That's what we're talking about, Chris. You can follow him at Weaver NFLF, which I'm assuming is for NFL Films on Twitter. Yep. And uh, it's his, you know, Twitter bio reads: filmmaker, feature producer at NFL Films and commissioner of the Sable Cup Fantasy Hockey League. Next time you're on, Chris, we've got to hear you talk about that. Uh, and we can talk more about Game of Thrones, too. So That'd be great. Thank you so much for, for the time and for the peek behind the curtain. And uh, best of luck this year with all the films highlights. I can't wait to see them. Can't wait to see Detroit on the football live. 
what you guys do, and I say this with 100% to, you know, sincerity and out of genuine, you know, truth, cultivates NFL fandom. People become NFL fans because of the work you guys do, and that's an incredible gift that you give people. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and I know you mean it, and I mean it. I mean it when I say we we love having people that that, that soak this stuff up because we love making it. Uh, there's nothing else I'd rather do with my time, my life, and so I appreciate hearing that. And I want to thank you for having me on, RJ. It's been a lot of fun, man. Cowboys fans, where are you going to be after every Dallas Cowboys game this season? I'll tell you where you're going to be, hanging out with me on Ocho Live. Every game this season after the Dallas Cowboys finish, we're firing up Ocho Live, which is our visual streaming platform on the official Inside the Star Facebook page and my own personal Periscope account. We talk about what happened, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like, and whatever else comes up. After Ocho Live, I jump straight into the podcast booth where I record an episode of the RJO Show with a guest to analyze the Dallas Cowboys game or whatever else is happening across the National Football League. Make sure that you are hanging out with us this season because we're going to have a lot of fun talking about this great game that we all love. For now, let's get back to this week's episode of the RJO Show. Welcome back to the RJO Show. Welcome back to the RJO Show. Welcome back, everybody. Def Leppard bringing us in. I have never understood this song because he asks if you take one lump or two of sugar, right? So like a lump of sugar. And then he says to pour it on him. So imagine somebody pouring lumps on you. That would be painful. And uh, probably not enjoyable, or as enjoyable as Def is making it sound. Either way, um, you know, but it's up to him. It's his prerogative. Thank you so much to Chris Weaver for joining us today on the RJO Show. Had a blast talking to him about NFL Films Projects and the Troy Aikman of Football Life and the Hard Knock episode that is going to be debuting on Tuesday, August 16th, the second one this season concerning the Los Angeles Rams. Really interesting. You know, he and I talked before we taped Last week was such a rough episode for Jared Goff. You think about it, the poor dude, you know, nobody knew, you know, he didn't know at least where the sun rose, which is pretty embarrassing. And then, like, the worst part about it was he went and, like, told everybody, you know, like a five-year-old. He was just like, oh, yeah, I learned where the sun rose and whatever, and it was silly. But, hey, that's how Jared Goff rolls. And, again, seriously, just thanks so much to to Chris Weaver. You can follow him on Twitter, like I said, at WeaverNFLF. Uh, for updates on Detroit Aikman of Football Eye for all Cowboys NFL films things put together. He was so cool. And I, you know, you know, if you're an RJO show listener, A, you're the best. And B, you know how much I love NFL films. I referenced it with him, but we had Paul Camerata and Shannon Furman on here. And so he makes the third member of Sable's Army. And it's a privilege to talk to them and, you know, get that peek behind the curtain. And I hope you enjoyed the peek behind the curtain. Um, this is, you know, we're here, we're in football season. It's exciting. We are officially here. We're in week two of the preseason and we're going to see a lot more from starters across the national football. You're going to see a lot more, you know, things taken seriously. You know, the first one's kind of just like, okay, let's, let's shake the dust off or whatever, but we're going to see some, some guys, obviously it's not as important as the third preseason game, which is commonly referred to as the dress rehearsal, but still it's really important. And the most important thing is to escape 
injury free. That's a, a difficult thing to do this time of year. We've already seen, we talked about, you know, in the opening segment, all the injuries that have sort of come about. And so every team will be entering this week, hoping and praying to get through. Um, just, you know, the name of the game right now is survive. And that's what you have to do until the regular season. And um, I'm excited, man. We're here. I launched the official RJO show, Ocho Live NFL Weekly Pick'em Pool already. So I tweeted the link out, and I'll put it on the Inside the Star Facebook page, my own Facebook page, and pretty much everywhere and everywhere. But what it is is it's just a weekly pick'em. You go pick every game, every single week, and uh, it's based on the spread of, of every week. I think that's how you you fair you know you fairly do things because you know if the Patriots are playing you know the Titans, it's not a fair contest. You know it, you know inducing the spread makes it a lot more difficult and requires a lot more skill. It's super easy, super free to play. You just go and sign up on the ESPN site that I tweeted out. And um, winner, whoever wins ultimately at the end, gets a free jersey. Whatever NFL jersey you want, you pick it and I get it for you. Like I said, totally free to enter. Just go do it. And uh, I'll tweet the link out a bunch more times and stuff. And thank you for listening. Thank you for participating in the Weekly Pick'em. Thank you for watching Ocho Live. Thank you for all the votes uh, and support I received in my uh, my quest to win ESPN San Antonio's Rock the Mic competition, which I did, thank God. And excited to see what comes of that. And again, just thank you so much. I'm excited to get things going. We're here. We're in this in the season. It's, it's good to have a, a preseason week under our belts. And we'll be back on Friday night after the Dallas Cowboys and Miami Dolphins play. My fellow staff writer, Jess Haney, will be jumping on. Last week we had Sean Martin, and a lot of people really liked that episode, thanks to to all the kind comments we got. So Jess and I will be jumping on to talk about and react to the Cowboys-Dolphins game, what we saw, what we didn't see, what we liked, what we didn't like, you know, this, that, and the other. That's how we roll here on the RJO Show, and hopefully you're rolling with us. This is going to be a fun season. I really and truly believe that. Uh, with all this integration, you know that I'm a big believer in the power and the stretch and the reach of social media and all these platforms and how they can tie us together so that we all ultimately enjoy this game together. That's what makes it so fun and so interesting to me. And so thank you again from the bottom of my heart for participating in all of it. And I can't wait. I, I mean, I don't have to wait. We're already here, which is the cool thing. So uh, preseason week two, RJO show coming up on Friday night after the Cowboys Dolphins game. Also Ocho Live on Thursday, which is August 18th at 4 30 p.m central time you can tune into that on the inside the star facebook page or my own personal periscope page uh or on twitter you know whatever you'll find it you're smart i trust you but we'll see you then until then i hope you have a great week i hope you enjoyed this sort of sneak preview of fall weather that we're getting it feels so nice you know football season really is here guys it's a great and glorious thing so enjoy your week i'll see you visually on thursday and we'll talk to you again on friday after cowboys dolphins and uh, hopefully have some fun football things to celebrate Until then, have a great week. As always, go Cowboys. And peace out! Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out?
coming. How you gonna do it if you really don't wanna dance by standing?